You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, pardon the interruption, but just a quick message from me to let you know about the leadership survey we have just placed on the website. Here at The Great Coaches, we believe that there is no algorithm for leadership, but we have gone back to the transcripts of the more than 200 great coaches we've interviewed to identify their key leadership traits. We've then created a survey of 20 questions to help you compare your leadership style to theirs. It's free, only takes a few minutes to complete, and should help you find areas of relative strength and weakness. If you'd like to know more, check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of a lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Know your role and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. My name is Paul Barnett, and you are listening to The Great Coaches Podcast where we explore leadership through the lens of high-performance sport by interviewing great coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our teams better. In celebration of International Women's Day, we decided to do an episode that features some of the great female coaches that we have interviewed. And in order to do that, I would like to start by talking to you about TikTok. In July 2020, I was living in the Czech Republic, and in the midst of the pandemic, we were given freedom for a summer holiday. So we packed the car and we drove 14 hours down to Croatia to get some sun and sea. My youngest daughter was nine then and she was into TikTok and would jump around and dance as we walked around. I laughed a little and tried to bust a move with her. But then that night at dinner, we talked about the difference between being the star of the show on social media and being a leader who might not necessarily be the person in front of the camera, but instead could be the person behind the camera. My daughters nodded, as they often do when I ramble on about something. I have two, and the other was 13 at the time. But then on the drive home from that holiday, I started to think about who were the best leaders I knew. Yes, I've met some great corporate leaders, but it's the great sports coaches that I have met in my time who exhibit the qualities that I thought would be so important in the future. Selflessness, resilience, responsibility, accountability, and motivation. It was a long drive home, And I looked for podcasts that interviewed great coaches on the topic of leadership and couldn't really find one. So along with my friend Jim, we decided that we would start a podcast. Hi, I'm Jim. The other Australian accent you occasionally hear on the show. I just love the idea of exploring these qualities. They mean a lot to me. I also have a daughter and it was our hope to stimulate better conversations with our own families around the dinner table. And it definitely has. My girls have actually gone on to write about the topics we've discussed, and my youngest won a speech competition across European international schools for her beliefs on activism, where she talked about one of the coaches in particular that we had interviewed, a lady called Penny Coolerreed. And here is what Penny had to say that day that captured Paige's attention. One of the things that um, when I was sort of thinking about this question was someone and everyone's always going to tell you that you can't do something. Oh, you're too short, you're too slow, 
you're not fast enough, you don't have the right body type, et cetera, et cetera. And for me during that time, all I could think about was stuff you. Like how do you know what I can't do? You have no idea what I'm capable of. And when everyone sort of said to me, I don't understand why you want to play footy. One, because I bloody love it. Two, because I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Three, it's because you said that I can't, that I want to do it. So I think having people continue to say, you know, that this is something that you shouldn't be doing or you can't do, I'm very much like, well, watch me, I'll prove you wrong. And I think as a female football coach in the land of AFL and in a, what we would call the boys club, I will continue to push these boundaries and continue to show girls and, and females that there is a way. If there's something that you want to do, don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it. And if, they, if you find yourself in a roadblock, find a way around it, through it, over it, under it, whatever it might be. If there's something that you love and something that you want to do, you will find a way to achieve that. One of the many themes that comes across when we interview great coaches of any gender is the idea of creating an example for others. But with many female coaches, this centres around the idea of creating pathways for others to follow in what has often been a male-dominated industry. Australian rugby union coach Alana Thomas captures this concept when she talks about the idea of, if you can see it, then you can be it. I think the thing to get more women involved in coaching is is having pathways and having opportunities because I'm a big believer in if you get given opportunities and you put opportunities out there, then you're creating a pathway. That's a saying and another one that I sort of use a lot is if you can see it, you can be it. So the more that we can promote women in sport on free-to-air TV across whether it be club rugby, whether it be on TV internationals at sevens, the growth of rugby after the 2016 Olympics when the girls won gold, it was a quarter of the growth across Australian rugby and around the world it just exploded because people could see it and people wanted to be a part of it. They just loved what they saw. So for me to get coaches involved and even players to be involved is we have to create pathways and they have to be visible and we have to celebrate them when we have successes. We have to celebrate the people in them and and share their stories because the one big thing I believe is everyone's got a story and every story is unique and it's authentic. One part of the story may resonate with someone out there that's watching or, or listening and they go, oh, I can do that. That sounds like me. I, I've come from that background. I could actually do this. Beverly Priestman is the coach of the Canadian women's football team that won gold at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. And she builds on this idea by referencing how it was a female coach that showed her that a career as a professional coach was indeed possible. If I talk about the impact of a female, I think I've realised since coming back from the Olympics, the importance of having a female do well on the world stage. I I don't think I valued it as much as I have, but I know that a lot of female coaches now see and you dream it, but then you go and see it happen. I think my Mo Marley, who... You know, when I was at university, she was at Everton Ladies. And like I said, I'm from a small town. I was the only girl who played on my team and all the rest of it. For the first time, I got to see Mo Marley, who was a professional coach at Everton Ladies. And I went down to the training sessions six weeks in a row, put a cone down, and eventually she got me involved. But I think for the first time, I got to see a strong female 
who was making a profession out of being a soccer coach. And that was obviously many years ago. It's very different now. But that definitely inspired me to say, listen, actually, I can make a career out of this because as a kid growing up, I'd only ever seen Kevin Keegan, Alex Ferguson, like the men's Premier League um, male coaches. That, that was all I'd seen. And for the first time in my career, I got to be around, watch, learn around a female coach. And I think that gave me that kick to say, I'm going to be a full-time professional coach. And, and of course, here I am. Being a role model or a person who is creating a pathway for others can often lead to additional pressure to perform. For female coaches, this often manifests by putting undue pressure on themselves. And this was something that Julia Price talked about with us. Julia represented Australia in cricket and was the first female to coach in the Australian men's T20 competition. I think we've got to take that pressure off ourselves a little bit because I don't even know if it's necessarily true. So when I was uh, the assistant coach for the WBB, for BBL, so the first female to do it, I didn't really think too much about it until I started reading all these articles left, right and centre, you know, and suddenly I'm, I'm the, if I don't do this well, that means every other female in the future is not good, is not good enough to be a, a BBL coach. And I, was, I hadn't even thought of it that way at that stage, so, which is absolutely ridiculous. So I think my, my suggestion or advice to people is just do what you do the best. Worry about your own strengths. Don't worry about the external factors and the, and the noise that goes on around it all. You do what your strengths are and be confident in those strengths and don't worry too much about the outside unless you want to. I mean, it's, it's great to, you know, to have these female role models and drive that, but there is an extra pressure that comes with that and you are going to get knocked down. And social media has some good aspects of it. That's, it's got some very bad aspects of it as well. But I think, I think as any female doing anything, I think you, you just got to do what you do best uh, and not worry too much about the external noise. One of the common themes we find through the interviews is that a great coach will help you build self-belief against the goals that you have often built together. But sometimes coaches also talk about working with an athlete to challenge ideas they have about themselves. Peter Searle was the first female to coach in the male Australian Football League, and she captures this idea when talking about her time as the coach of the St Kilda women's team. I have an example of someone that I've coached in the past, big, strong person, big, strong female that's probably all her life been told to be gentle. One of my coaches was getting frustrated. He's like, I don't understand why she doesn't just use her body and just doesn't do this or do that. When you think about it, probably for 20 years of her life, she's probably been told, be gentle, be gentle. And now we're all saying, be rough, be physical, be tough, do all these things. Like It's 20 years of socialisation we've got to undo here. And the light bulb goes in the coach's head and goes, oh, yeah, okay. So that's what I mean. It's about having an understanding, not just them, but their background or society's perceptions of them and basically things that can be subconsciously or can be quite obvious that's, I guess, impeding their ability to perform to where they could perform to. The Australian netball coach, Bryony Arkell, built on this idea of challenging self-image when she talked about the importance of girls being able to see a range of female mentors. Not everyone plays, obviously, to win a premiership. People love to play just to be with their friends and and have great fun and keep fit. And I think reinforcing that, it's not all about winning and it's why we do an activity at all. So I think for me it's really important that 
an emphasis is, is just on participation and staying healthy. And another thing for me, I think it is body image is definitely an issue. I think once I know netball's spoken about the attire that girls wear and that some girls don't want to wear skimpy little netball uniforms. So that puts them off. They don't play sport again. So I think it's just being a bit more creative of what that looks like. And if we want girls to keep playing sport, having positive body images of, you know, girls that you may not look like every girl from the Swiss because they train seven days a week, but who cares? The fact that you're out there having a go and encouraging everyone to have a go, I think is super important. So having a different range of role models is really important in sport and especially female sport because I've worked in rugby league as well and seen the impact that rugby league players have on boys and they're their idols and I'd really love to see women embracing that as well for really strong, confident female mentors in, in girls' lives. Brenda Freeze coaches basketball at the University of Maryland in America where she's experienced many years of sustained success. She spoke candidly about the changes she has seen as more women have become coaches and that now it was time for women to support other women by leading more change. And I think we've gotten to a point as women where before it used to be because we were just grateful, grateful to have so many great things, to be in this profession. We're not wanting to make a lot of noise, but I think it's finally gotten to a point where I think women are starting to understand in the positions that we hold that it's important to kind of lead our charge and our fight for all the differences that are going on to kind of bring that awareness to, to try to get it more uneven. A similar theme was expressed by another successful American basketball coach, Joanne P. McCauley, who referenced a wonderful quote from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the late justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, to call to the, quote, Old girl network to arrive in strength, end quote, to change the leadership structures that are male dominated. So you want to be a coach and they bring women and there's a lot of discussion on how to be a coach. There needs to be a lot more than that. I mean, it's just that's just a little bit. And there's very few of anything that says, you know, how do you become an administrator? Think about it. If the women are athletic directors you know, they are going to be more comfortable looking at the diversity of the pool. And us women think that we're kind of it, you know, in terms of intuitive and, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? She said, if there's any decision-making, a woman or more have to be in the room. And so breaking down that whole structure that it's just basically built by the fact that guys, you know, were playing sports more earlier and, you know, it's been a process and the equity pieces are critical and keeping women in the game. I mean, when they're 14 and 15, a lot of women are dropping out and they're dropping out a lot of women because they say, well, I can't really be the best. I can't really be an all American. Maybe I'm not being recruited by the school that I really want Instead of thinking, well, wait a minute, I can change the whole dynamic here. I can be the senior women's administrator at Duke. I can work my way up the line. I can become an athletic director. I can you know, change, change so many things that way. So there's, there's got to be more diversity in what we teach. And the old girl network has to arrive in strength. As a father, I'm always looking out for advice on how I can be a better parent, and in particular, break any biases that I have about gender roles. Carrie Graff was the first Australian to coach in the WNBA in America. Hold up. 
Hi, everyone. I'm here with Professor Eric Knight, the Executive Dean of the Macquarie Business School, and he's just stepped out of the classroom. Eric, how does the business school give you the tools you need to be a better leader? I think the tools of great leaders today need to include at least two things. One is analytics, so that you can understand the world around you. And two is people skills, so you can communicate that to those inside your team. Motivate them towards the solutions that will define the future. Thanks, Eric. The master's programs at the Macquarie Business School, designed to empower you, challenge you, and transform the way you think. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And is now an adjunct professor at the University of Canberra. In our interview, she shared this great idea on shaping mindsets, particularly when it came to physical skills with girls. I think it's having um, having girls believe that they can do anything, and I, and I think having particularly, you know, with their physical skill set, that they can they can perform they can perform in team sports just like boys and men can. You know, they're playing against each other. They're not playing against men or boys. You know, when they when they're young, maybe up to under ten, they play with boys, but you can actually, you can do anything. So if you're watching men's sport, you can do any, anything that they're doing. You can kick it like them. You can mark it like them. You can hit it like them. You can shoot it like them. You can do any of that. You know, it mightn't be quite as powerful or it might be quite as fast, but any of those physical skills they're doing, you can do those. There, there is no reason why a young girl can't do what a young boy can do in a sporting context. That any of those skills, you can you can learn them, you can develop them, absolutely. So I think it's it's having that that sense early with young girls. You can do anything if you put your mind to it, and if you it's that classic guy. If you think you can, you can. And if people tell you you can't, well, tell them that you can. In that same interview, Carrie went on to talk about how opportunities for women have changed over the years and how now there is no ceiling when it comes to expectations. You know, I now look at young girls growing up in this country and they can aspire to be a plethora of sporting. They can have a profession as a female, as a female athlete in a whole bunch of sports. And I think that's, that's a, great, a great change. And there's a whole bunch of little girls that won't have any interest in that at all. But when I was a little girl, there was, you couldn't even dream of that. So I think that there has been a shift, but I think having girls believe that they can be the prime minister, the president, they could be a, a brain surgeon, a nuclear physicist, um, an Olympic athlete, an Olympic coach, a, a football champion, whatever it is that, you know, girls, girls are capable of doing anything just as are women. We were also very fortunate to interview Jackie Carson-Smith, a basketball coach at Furman University in America and a mother to two daughters. Jackie talked about the fact that as a woman of colour and a female coach, you have to develop the confidence to demand the job that you want. I, I'm really a strong believer for, especially for our female athletes, that you just got to have a confidence about yourself because our journey is already harder as females, especially a female coach, especially our women of color, female coaches. 
like we're at the bottom of the rung. So we have to, the same thing I tell my 70 and my nine-year-old daughter, we have to be better. As a female, you have to be better because eventually the ball's going to stop bouncing. We got to go get a CEO job. We got to go get a manager job. We got to go do something. You have to be better. You have to be better than the male that's going for the same job. You have to show why you're better. And you got to have the confidence to show why you're better. I read a study. I think it came actually from the UK. And they just talked about how a man will go into an, a job interview and say, you've got to hire me for this. I'm the right person for this job. And they don't sell it. They ask for the job. I want the job. Where a woman is going to go in and question and I bring this to the table. I bring, But they never demand the job. So we work on a lot of just demanding what you want out of your future. Go demand the job. Go demand the win and prepare for when that opportunity comes. So that is just probably more of my being than actually coaching a basketball game. One of the issues I hear many people talk about when it comes to gender equality is whether having quotas for females in management or leadership is the right thing. Shouldn't the role go to the person best qualified is often the question that is asked. Sandy Brondello is the coach of the New York Liberty in the WNBA and coached the Phoenix Mercury to the title in 2014. And she addressed this issue when reflecting on her own opportunities. I think it's great that I get an opportunity uh, as a woman to lead uh, our Australian team. But, you know, I, I'm hoping that I got it because I was the best person for the job, <laughs> not because of my gender. Um, and I think at those levels, you have to think who you think is going to be the best person. But at the same time, I said, I think we've had, we have a lot of former players, you know, have so much experience, played many Olympic games. And, yeah, maybe they went and had, you know, children and, and but now are getting into to coaching. I think it's important making sure that our associations, our organisation, organised teams that run the teams um, are providing opportunities for coaches to maybe entry-level coaching opportunities where they can continue to learn providing them with more clinics. Um, I think Basketball Australia and Peter Lonigan does a really good job, um, you know, of getting more women uh, these opportunities. But then it comes to the, you know, each association making sure that if someone's good enough to do it, that we're providing them with those opportunities. Sue Enquist is an iconic softball coach, probably the best the world has ever seen. And she believes that it is not just about female representation, but part of the bigger leadership challenge of creating the conditions of inclusivity. She believes that having access to excellence is a privilege, and her challenge to all leaders was to, in her words, answer the call. And so the challenge with our transformational leaders is, how do I create the conditions for everybody to be seen and heard? Our people of color, how are we creating the conditions for inclusivity and these people to be seen and be heard without us saying, hey, you educate us. Black person, you educate us on the pain. No, the black person shouldn't have to educate us. I'm a white woman of privilege. I had access from the day I was born to great schooling, great education, great athletics, great facilities, great transportation. So I was ahead of the game. As a white woman of privilege, I have to be the one that goes out and advocates for those people that didn't have access to excellence like I did. We didn't all start at the starting line the same. And we've, no matter you buy into that or not, it's a fact. And we've got to answer the call, especially when it comes to laying down that environment for employees to include 
people of diversity, people with different backgrounds, different sexual orientation, to be comfortable with our LGBTQ community. I always am fascinated by how, on one hand, people can love technology, they love their phone, but on the other hand, they don't want to change their leadership tactics. So we were able to adjust around communication technology. Why can't we adjust around our own micro relationships that we have with the teams that we're on right now? The last question we ask every great coach we interview is about the legacy they hope they will leave. One of the many themes that comes through with great female coaches is the concept of creating pathways for others to follow. To close this episode in celebration of International Women's Day, we would like to share with you some of the answers to the legacy question. They really need no introduction other than to reference the great coach who gave them. The first is from Julia Price. So, yeah, I, I find that I find that fantastic and very inspiring and, uh, you know, keeps me driven, I suppose, to, to stay in the game and, and keep particularly females, giving them opportunities to be able to play. Cause, and it's great sometimes in these non-traditional countries because they don't see it as a male game. They just see it as cricket. And that's so refreshing. I love that. So, yeah, I don't know. I just I, I sort of feel like I've nearly found a little bit of a where I'm supposed to be. And it's, it's in these developing countries and, you know, getting things on track, getting them organised, making it easy for anyone who wants to play the game just to come straight into it and go from there. The next is from Joanna P. McCauley. Um, being able to mentor change lives. You know, being able to change lives. Uh, women I've spoken to, um, a variety of issues. Um, I know some women have spoken to me about orientation and their own orientation because they're in college. And college is when you discover yourself and make a lot of choices. And then having parental problems with acceptance and so I think about those women um, talking with them and, and, and encouraging them to move forward, but also to be graceful in understanding other people's issues. And this from Lisa Fallon, who was most recently the first team head coach at Galway Men's in the Irish First Division. My biggest ambition really is for my kids to grow up in a world where there is equal opportunity and that you're not denied opportunity just because of who you are or because you don't fit the norm. And I think because if we live in a world like that, we're probably denying ourselves a treasure chest of potential. And this one from Penny Cooler-Reed, who was the coach we featured at the start of this podcast, who inspired my youngest daughter, Paige. I was in the Rebel Sports store and I was looking at a new pair of footy boots and all I hear was this like screeching, oh my God, this, I want this one. This young girl, she was probably about six or seven running towards her mum with these bright pink football boots going, mum, mum, these are the ones that I want. This is it. This is the football boot that I, I want to go and run around in. And I was like, I like started tearing and I started going, this is the reason why I did what I did because this young girl now, has the opportunity to choose any path to be anyone who she wants to be is because of the people that she sees that have paved the way and been trailblazed and like for me that was that again was a moment in in time where 
I reflect on and say and continue to push boundaries and continue to stand up for what I believe in. And so I think that there's already a legacy sort of starting. And another from Jackie Carson-Smith. So the legacy that I want to leave is that at the end of the day, I tell my girls all the time, I can care less how many games I win by the time I end my coaching career. That's not going to be on my, my tombstone. It's not going to have my record. But just knowing that you can do things the right way. You can be a mom that works. You can be a black female that's successful. You can be a female that beats the odds. You can do whatever it is that people say that you can't do. I love proving doubters wrong. And finally, Sally Ann Briggs, the English cricket coach. Well, just imagine that if we created that safe space for girls to show up, it didn't feel like I was walking in a male-dominated clubhouse where I used to get changed in the urinals and it wasn't about competition, it was about a sense of belonging, it was about having fun. It was about creating connections in sport, and we really valued that. And actually, why can't we have a female head coach that is incredibly feminine? Do you know what I mean? We're, his dress is incredibly feminine and, not, and he's not judged. And the reason why I'm here, because I know there's not enough female coaches, and I have a responsibility to talk about it and kind of be a role model. I don't want to say that I'm this big guru, but to have this voice for female coaches to say it is possible and it is going to be challenging still, I think, in the next five to ten years or whatever. But I think we need to believe that we can achieve this. And like you say, we can only create change if we can see it. And I feel that that is my responsibility. Paul and I hope you've enjoyed this format of our show in celebration of International Women's Day. We've loved putting it together, and perhaps you've found one or two things that you can bring to your own dinner table, locker room, or even the boardroom table for some discussion. And as always, please let us know if you have any feedback, just like Kerry Mussett, who said, I'm loving these podcasts. Lisa Alexander was incredibly interesting. My fave so far was Gary Kirsten, an amazing coaching philosophy. And Finton Kennedy, A great listen, guys. Some valuable advice on how we guide and support our athletes by getting to know them. Love the letter to Miss A. Thanks, Kerry. Thanks, Finton. It's the interaction with people like this from all around the world who listen to our show that give us great energy. And so if you have any feedback or comments, please let us know. All the details on how you can connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com.